Good morning. We got a hot mic today. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. My name's Joe Barlow. Glad you're here. My name is Joe. My Bible app's working again. Man, it was great. Because you confessed that sin. You're right. This morning, this morning, I was going to get up and search for it. But anyway, Woo, what a weekend. Phil, it's over, and I'm a little lighter. I understand. Lighter in spirit and lighter in my pocket. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Feel your pain. Those of you that don't know, my youngest son got married this weekend. Had a great celebration. Uh, did the rehearsal dinner Friday night. Before the rehearsal dinner, uh, her dad uh, was mimicking walking her down the aisle, and Ben Derek did the service, and the wedding planner coordinator person said, so her, her mom and dad are divorced, so when you come down and you say, you know, when they ask the question, who gives this girl to be married to this man, or this woman to be married to this man, how are you going to respond? You're going to say her mother and I, or how, how do you want to say that? And he said, what if I just say no? <laughs> We're not giving her away. <laughs> well, we could have a problem there. So about an hour later, we're in the rehearsal dinner, and in, in, in my speech, I told him, I said, you know, I'm okay if you say no, but I'd like to know before we get to that point, because if we're going to get to that point, uh, we're going to trade the daughter for my son. We're going to keep her. You can have him. <laughs> we're keeping her. So I don't know how many of y'all struggle with an overfilled life of activities that get to be distracting and before you know it you've wandered off into the deep waters of stuff that you just don't need to be wandering around in so i i, I don't know if it was well it wasn't my planning must have been god's planning so we've got these activities coming up i know deer camp leadership weekend this weekend tuesday two gun tactical Ricky wrote it down in a note card for me. Can't miss it. Two Gun Tactical, February 22nd, 6.30 to 8.30, 21st. Menu. He said, pronounce it like this. Venison burgers, deer sausage, baked beans, red hot and blues tater salad, and dessert is bread pudding, no G involved. <laughs> It'll be a great night Tuesday night. Then the following weekend is a hanger group. I've got two weeks of activities that are just going to keep me from uh, getting sideways. But I was reading this morning, woke up about 3 o'clock, couldn't sleep. I was thinking about kind of where we are today and what's going on in the world. Another guy found shot to death in a car in Jackson. I mean, it's just, are we at end times? And I pulled up something and got to Luke chapter 3 about John the Baptist when they were looking for a savior, when they were looking for somebody to overthrow the Romans, when crowds of people came out for baptism because it was the popular thing to do, John exploded. Brood of snakes. What do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? You think a little water on your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham is father. 
Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham, Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if he wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and flourishing? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. The crowd asked him, then what are we supposed to do? If you have two coats, give one away, he said. Do the same with your food. Tax men also came to be baptized and said, teacher, what should we do? He told them, no more extortion. Collect only what is required by law. Soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He told them, no harassment, no blackmail, and be content with your rations. And that just struck me. Be content. And how many times have we heard that God has us right where he wants us to be at this moment? Even in the middle of ugliness, S, be content. God has you right where he wants you to be. I was telling Phil last night, my wife and I went to a little pizza place. Three adolescent boys, maybe teenage, early teenage boys, were doing what boys do. I'm the father of two boys. Somebody told me years ago, and I've never forgotten it. Anytime you put, and this is good for guys to know, the difference in men and boys, we're talking about boys here, that has nothing to do with age. Anytime you put two or more boys together, you will not find a brain among them. <laughs> there was no brain among these three boys, one of which I knew his dad, and I eased back and sat in the booth beside him, and we just held a conversation about What's it like when uh, your parents let you go into a restaurant by yourself unsupervised? Is this really the way you want to act? Because they've already locked the doors once. Or do you want to act a little bit more mature so that your parents let you do it again? Well, the boy I knew wanted to deflect the conversation quickly and say, well, you know him. I mean, you know his dad anyway. And I said, oh, I do. And he said, yeah, his dad's so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I do know your dad, too. Both of them attend in here on occasions. <laughs> you never know who you're going to bump into. Making lines, being and going. Speak into somebody's life today. God's going to give you the opportunity. You take him up on it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Lord, we know you were here before we got here. We thank you for that. Open our hearts, open our ears, so that we receive the message offered this morning. Your message, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Joe. <clears throat> morning, gentlemen. Morning. Excited to be here. Excited to um, look forward to our weekend. I'm headed to Ebenezer Place this afternoon. We've got our leadership weekend um guys um who will be continuing on uh in what we've been doing for 22 years when i'm dead and gone and so we'll be doing some training and all the alumni are invited up saturday afternoon so if you haven't gotten the numerous emails that i've sent out afternoon uh, all the alumni are invited up and we'll do kind of show and tell and uh, have some time uh, together so 
excited about that. Carla and I um, had a great weekend. We uh, did our couples workshop down in Fairhope. Uh, so honored and privileged uh, to be in a uh, situation that God can use our story and our skills and our training uh, to help um, hurting couples. Uh, it was it was powerful um, what uh, God did um, at the Yacht Club in Fairhope. That's where we were. So excited to be here. Everybody like Charlie Daniels. You're a Charlie Daniels man. Um, the lesson that we're looking at uh, today is fighting for integrity. Your integrity is important. And I've got uh, the most famous song by Charlie Daniels. Everybody knows this song. You've heard it a hundred times. But I wanted to give you a little bit of the background of Charlie Daniels before we play this song. Some of you kind of know Charlie Daniels' story. Others don't. So I want you to listen to this. Um, and then after this, um, Daniels' most famous song um, is a powerful testimony, I think, to his life, because there, there's a background to this. And it has implications for us as we're fighting for our integrity. Let me just read to you, uh, look at the words of the song there on your handout. Everybody knows the devil went down to Georgia. You may never have taken the time to read the story of this song. It's a great, great story. Um, and, it, and it's about being challenged by the devil. Uh, fiddle player, uh, challenged by the devil. And you and I are, uh, I'm certainly not a fiddle player, but I know what it means to be challenged by the devil, and you do too. Look down there uh, toward the uh, bottom third of the page. When the devil finished, Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there. Let me show you how it's done. And, and at that point, I just want to say, in the name of Jesus, fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granny, does your dog bite? No, child, no. How do you come up with words like that? <laughs> Dude, the devil bowed his head because he knew that he had been beat. And he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a gun. I'm the best that's ever been. And he played. Fire on the mountain, run boys, run. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. The chicken in the bread pan picking out dough. Granny, your dog bite. Will your dog bite? No child, no. But you hear the voice of God through Charlie Daniels this morning. Heart of my heart, rock of my soul. You changed my life when you took control. Tell us about it. That is actually a line out of a song I wrote called Heart of My Heart. It's where, the, where, where that came from but what I went that is a chapter about my faith I was raised in a Christian family and all my life I heard Jesus died for your sins I believed it but I didn't know how to apply it to my life and of course when you're real little you don't you don't question and as you get older you think well how's, how's this supposed to work and then I got to into uh, all I heard was condemnation I didn't hear about the love and the and 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 
and the the forgiveness and I got the opinion that the most mundane of human actions that some people deem to be sins that you lost you you lose your salvation you get saved you go out and you do something that is off color or something and you lose your salvation and, it, and I did it and I did it and I did it and I just it just I finally got to the point I said I can't do this I just walked away from it I didn't quit believing I always believed never quit believing in God never quit believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God but I just didn't understand it and I decided I'm going to take my Bible I'm going to sit down and read it I'm going to take my opinion and other people's opinions who I respect, people that I know speak the truth that I can read about, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to define my salvation. And it all goes back to Romans 10. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Now, what we, we don't need to start adding stuff onto that. <laughs> You know, we don't need to preface it with something or to, to put something on the end of it or on either side of it. It's, stand, it's a standalone phrase. And to me, the hardest thing about salvation is the simplicity of it. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't get it. We don't have to go through a certain situation to uh, be with a certain person or in a certain place or have a certain set of, certain set of circumstances to, to receive it. And it's just that simplicity that we try to, we, we constantly try to expand on and we try to make more out of it than what it is. And it comes all down, you believe it. You believe it. You believe that God could love us so much. That's the wonder to me. It is. That, that, that God could, could, could love us that much that he could send his son. I know how I love my son. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, 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 my love cannot even approach God's love. The devil went down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind, he was way behind, he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I'll bet a fiddle of gold to get your soul, because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, My name's Johnny, and it might be a sin. But I'll take your bet you're going to regret, because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, you're rising up your bow and play a fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil abused the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, devil get your soul. The devil opened up his case and he said, I'll start this show and fire with his fingertips as he rolls into his bow. And he pulled his bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss. Then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this.
finish, Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there. I'm going to show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, I'm picking out dough. Better let your dog fight, no child, no. said devil just come on back if you ever want to try again i done told you what you son of a bitch. i'm the best has ever been and he played fire on the mountain run boys run devil's in the house of the rising sun chicken in the bread pedal picking out dough and if you don't fight no child no gospel according to charlie daniels great be on the alert stand firm in your faith act like men be strong words from first corinthians 16 13 so gentlemen we continue in our uh, series this idea of um um, Lion Maker, a call to personal growth, maturity, and wholeness. Um, and what we've been working with throughout, as I've invited you to consider, is this idea of be, uh, be a lion, which is the invitation uh, to get your act together. Trust God uh, to grow you up. Um, personal growth in the area of your emotional, physical, spiritual, and relational paradigm as is modeled by Jesus, Luke 2.52. Then um, start going and uh, making uh, lions. Um, who are you mentoring? Who are you fathering? Who are you coaching? Uh, Joe Barlow walks over and sits with three adolescent boys in a booth. I guarantee those guys... Uh, remember that conversation and Joe loved on them and encouraged them and we all need men in our lives no matter whether we're adolescents uh, or you're as old as I am we need to be fathered coached encouraged need to be on a team so this morning um, we're looking at this idea of fighting for integrity that uh, that all your pieces fit together you're a man of integrity. And we'll read about one of those men uh, here in just a minute. But I want to invite you to, to do some journaling with me. Uh, again, we believe in journaling. I don't believe that you can be a lion, that you can be a grower if you're not journaling. Sit with a man uh, last night that's going to come to deer camp um, uh, very soon. Uh, should have been there two years ago. And uh, 
He said, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. And he kind of went into his story. And I said, you're depressed. He said, yeah, I guess I am. I'm, I'm depressed. And I said, how, how are you going to get undepressed? And he said, I don't know. And I said, you've got to go back to what I told you the first time that we sat together. And that's, you've got to start journaling again. You can write your way to health by acknowledging. The Bible calls it being a confessional Christian, starting to own and acknowledge where you are. And journaling is just a tool uh, to do that. Journaling is just a way to apply all that scripture says. My friend is emotionally constipated. You know what that means? He's got so much going on. And, and, and if I told you his story, you would be in tears. I mean, it's, it's sad. And, and he's feeling depressed because he cannot process all of the hurt fast enough. He can't move it through his system just like sometimes we can't move food through our system. He's emotionally constipated. You've got to start getting out loud, whether it's in a journal or sitting in a group um, of guys. So let's do some journaling. Pick up your pen. I've got three questions for you. First question, and I'm going to ask Clyde Graham uh, to come up. So Clyde, Come on up here and I want you to share with these guys. First question, what are your dreams? And throughout this series, we've been using this idea of dreams as a synonym for growth. You know, what are your growth goals? Uh, I have a dream to be mature. I have a dream to grow up. I have a dream to be all that um, God uh, created me to be. Uh, we read last week that Jesus or God has actually predestined me uh, to grow up. Now that doesn't mean that I don't have to do anything. That's fatalism. Um, but what predestined means is that God has a plan that I grow up and become whole and be mature, but, but he holds me responsible every day to do what I need to do. So what I've been invited Clyde to do is just share a little bit of his own story of what God's been doing in his life and how he's growing and how he's being obedient to God's call. So Clyde, step over in front of the camera so everybody sees you all across the world. Hundreds are watching my television. I don't know if they want to see my face, but that's all right. That's all right. Good morning. I, I am Clyde Graham. Um, I've been talking to Phil a little bit now, uh, off and on, uh, sharing my story with him. And um, so I'll be brief. I'll take the short route on my story here this morning. Um, about five years ago, I was sitting at home. I worked I work from home at the time. Uh, my wife was at work and she works in the hospital. And uh, she texted me and said, have you heard from Paul this morning? Paul's our youngest child. Uh, he's, he was 26 and we have another one, Chris, who is 33. Um, but uh, she said, have you heard from Paul? I said, no, which is odd because usually he would call every day. My son was a pilot. He was a commercial pilot. He was really good. Um, he loved life. Uh, he was a good Christian man. And uh, uh, just a unique story I'll share sometime. But um, long short story short, his plane went down the night before around 6.30. Um, he was flying from Sacramento to uh, Lake City, Utah. And uh, he just disappeared. They, they couldn't find him. Uh, so Drew and I flew out there and we searched for seven days. Uh, we climbed mountains, went through valleys, and um, we couldn't find him. Um, the last day I actually searched, I, 
I was walking down the road and I saw a lot nice shiny objects and I went and walked up the mountain and uh, you know I'm pretty sure that's where he was but I'm thankful that uh, we didn't find him because I want to remember him as he, he was you know but the eighth day the morning of the eighth day they found him so he, he flew for an aerial photography company and uh, the company worked for saw his plane and uh, all went home uh, that was his homecoming you know it was a celebration and uh, I can tell you that there is no pain that I can imagine deeper than losing a child. And uh, it's tough. These last five years have been pretty rough and pretty rocky. But, um, you know, I mentioned to Phil this a couple years ago. I said, man, this pain sucks. And he said, yeah, your pain is a gift. I said, jeez, I don't want that gift. <laughs> but, uh, but it's true. You know, God uses all those circumstances, all those sins that we have, all those burdens we have, all that garbage if we allow him. He will use that to minister to others. And that is our that is our, our wish and our dream. Uh, you know, June and I went to a while we're waiting uh, weekend retreat last year and uh, with a bunch of other parents that have lost children in different ways. And uh, we prayed about it and been seeking God about it. And we applied to be facilitators of the ministry here locally. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we got the call that, hey, we, we've been voted unanimously for y'all, unanimously for y'all to do it. So we're gonna be starting that March 14th. I would bet there's probably another gentleman here who's lost a child. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough road. So uh, we would like to take that pain and use it to minister to these other families who've lost children. And that is our dream. We're running towards the roar as Phil has been teaching us. So. We're going to grab that sucker by the horns and we're going to, you know, hopefully bring some life and ministry and peace to these families. Yeah. Um, so I just ask you to pray with us as, as we go in this direction. And if you do know anybody, please send them my way. Um, you know, we'd, we'd love to help them out. Thank you. Good. Thank you, Clyde. So many opportunities that God gives us uh, every day. Um, tragedy into triumph, tragedy into triumph. So again, I ask you, um, what are your dreams? How are you growing? Where are you headed? Second question I'd ask you, what does integrity mean to you? Is, is it an important value? I, guys, I would suggest that our culture is uh, losing any value of integrity. Would you not agree with me on that? Do you value your own personal integrity? How much is integrity important in those that you follow and have followed? So I'd invite you uh, to find a, a blank spot there on your um, notes. And I wanna offer you um, this continuum. I, I work with continuums a lot um, um, in my office to try to uh, make a point. Uh, I draw simple diagrams. Um, uh, and uh, I'm a third grader trapped in this old body. So I just draw stick figures and diagrams and all that sort of thing. So let's consider here for just a minute, uh, integrity, uh, the middle of the continuum X marks the spot is the positive middle. And then you've got the two negative poles. And on one negative pole is low integrity. 
There's, there is no integrity. And then on the other negative pole, we would call this hyper integrity. They call it integrity, but we would, we would almost have to put this uh, in parenthesis or in uh, quotes uh, around it. It's, it's hyper integrity, uh, integrity gone wild, if you would. And so it's sometimes helpful to understand a concept or a principle by looking at it from this continuum. So let's work with the middle positive here for just a minute. What would be the words, the phrases that you would use to describe what integrity means, the synonyms? What comes to your mind? Honesty. Honesty. Yeah, that there's honesty. Yeah, okay. That that there are principles or values that you really hold to. Even if they're wrong, I'm at least committed to those. Trustworthy. Yeah, trust that, that there's trust. That you are trustable. Now again, I would just add for the sake of time, character counts that there's heart a man of integrity has heart all right now let's move over here to the negative pole negative pole low integrity no integrity first thing of course is not trustable i mean you know we could obviously go in the opposite direction from each one of these but what are other words or concepts that come to, come to your mind in terms of a lack of integrity. Liar, liar, cheater. Yeah. Um, no boundaries. Never trust a man who can't say no, who has no boundaries. He's a liar. He's a poser. He's a pleaser. Wants everybody to like him. Um, no backbone. And we can go on and on. You get it? All right, no. let's move over here. Hyper integrity. It's like, you know, I, I really want to be integral, but it's like integrity gone wild. What does that look like? Humble. humble? I would put humble right here. <laughs> rigid. Yeah, over here would be rigid. Pharisaic, I can't spell that, so I'm not going to write that. Prideful, arrogant, judgmental. That's what integrity, and again, I put that in quotes, gone wild means perfectionistic, very black and white. Ever been with somebody like that? And, and again, that is what Jesus dealt with with the Pharisees all the time. They claimed to be integral, but they were a pill to deal with. And Jesus condemned them. They were judgmental. And so this morning, I want you to consider integrity.
I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 4. And Jeff, I meant to send you these. Two, I've added two passages, and I forgot. Uh, Proverbs 4. See how fast you can dial that up. Uh, 25, 26, and 27. Listen to this. This is, this is a passage about integrity. Integrity. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 25, 26, and 27. You are the master. Coffee's working. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. You know what the problem is with many of us? And I'm, I'm right there with you. We are spiritually ADD. You know what spiritually ADD is? David's shaking his head. David knows. We can't stay focused. Squirrel. Squirrel. Squirrels everywhere. No. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. Look neither right nor left. I am focused on the prize. I'm running to win. I want to be a man of integrity. Don't you? That's what we're talking about. Question number three. Journaling. Who is on your team? Who is on your team? And again, guys, what I'm talking about is men who are willing to stand with you. And they'll stand with you to validate and embrace your dreams and your goals. Or they'll stand with you enough and tell you that you're headed in the wrong direction. You're actually in the ditch. You, we have talked about this for years, and we will continue to talk about this. You need to be on a team. You need to be a part of community. That's what church is intended to be. But you know, and I know it's easy to slide into church, sit on the back row and slide out and go get you some fried chicken and go home. That's not church. You know, church is really being involved in one another's life. Um, guys, I, I, I love the team that I'm on. I love the, the team of men that are in this room. Many of the uh, men I, I've walked with you for 22 years. Um, I've walked with you for 14 years that we've been doing men's roundtable. Uh, it's a privilege uh, to call you friends and team members. And I want to draw your attention to a part of my team this morning that's in front of you. And I want to ask every man uh, to respond uh, to our present need. Um, we have a ministry team, and as I said to you a couple weeks ago, uh, many of you have given to our Ebenezer Place fundraising, and we continue to work toward getting our retreat site improved. Many of you have given to a scholarship fund that we call uh, Partners, um, and I'm very grateful for that. What I'm asking for, as we started out this year in our ministry, $10,000 in the red, I'm asking you, every man here, to participate in giving something. Many of you are already supporting our ministry team. Very, very grateful. 
And I'd ask you to consider a 13-month gift. If you're giving monthly, you know, give one more month. If you can, uh, if you if you're not on our team, to um, get on our team. But this little handout here kind of goes through when I contribute to your ministry. What am I investing in? Are contributions tax deductible? Yes. Are you how are you compensated? And that details that. And if I contribute now, what expectations do you have? And I hope that you'll continue to be a part of our team. And then the average contribution is uh, listed there. And then you've got your QR code. Now, if you want to use the QR code, check with Jeff, because I have no idea. I think there's something about if you wave your phone over that or something, it's like a magic wand, something like that. Jeff will help you with that. But you can do the QR code. What I would ask is that everybody in this room would participate. If everybody would participate, I'm confident that our deficit would be covered. Um, and then we would be off and running into the new year. Again, I'm very grateful for all that you have done and given uh, for years. I just need some guys to stand with me. So everybody participate. And what I'd like to ask you to do right now is right on the uh, top of your page, yes or no, and just make a decision. Yes, I will participate and then execute it either now or when you get home. And if you're not able to, I understand. Yes or no on the top of your page there. And then you've got to leave in peace. So Bill and I were talking this morning and uh, I, you know, it, it, the timing of this, is so suspicious with having just finished a wedding. But at the same time, my son just getting married, the reality of it is, and I know Carla, I'm, I don't want to say Carla's a lot like my wife, but Carla's a lot like my wife. The wedding was the most important event that was occurring in our household. Phil has to be standing before you as a coach. Jeff Rickles asked me this morning, he said, uh, Joe, what kind of projects do you have going on right now? And my answer was none. And he said, I mean, like, do you have renovation projects going on or new projects going on? The answer is still none. My dedication has been to the wedding of my son. So my business has suffered. And I think that's where Phil has found himself in the focused on other men, focused on his family, focused on his daughter. Um, I, Phil will be one of the first to tell you, the business part of BPO and the fundraising, that's not him. That's why he has BPO and a board of directors to help him with that, to help him manage the money, to help him keep up with it. But he has found himself in a situation where we've got a trip coming up, uh, guys are sponsoring, guys are paying for that trip, trying to get it paid for, but he's depleted. He spent his money in Ebenezer. He's trying to figure out how to gift it to the next generation as a legacy gift, uh, working through that. 70 years old, uh, we were going to Memphis not long ago. Oh, I forgot who was riding with us now. Um, in the backseat of the truck, started talking to you and asked you, what's your, what's your retirement plan? Your retirement plan's as good as mine. If you're self-employed, you plan on taking off at lunch the day you die. I mean, that's it. You work to the end. There is no retirement plan. There is nothing. So when Phil made the appeal, I found myself in a situation paying for a wedding and I couldn't, I couldn't do that 13th gift right now. But what I could do 
is increase my monthly giving. And it's drafted out of my checking account. And that's, I hope, in, in a way, going to help ease a little bit. You know, the $10 here, the $15 there, before you know it, that's $100. $100 here, that's $1,000. It adds up. Every gift adds up. $25 a month. Just pick some number to start with. Just begin to put a little bit into the wheelbarrow so that he can get out of this hole that he's in. That's his, that's his request, and that's my appeal to you on his behalf. With that, can I say a prayer for you, brother? Thank you, John. Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I stand with this man, your servant. I know the struggles he's facing. I've been there myself. They're the kinds that keep you up at night. They're the kind that begin to make you doubt your faith. Lord, I ask that you reassure Phil. I ask that you just put his mind at ease. You have, you, you have taken care of he and Carla before, and you're going to do it again. These times may be struggling times, but they're also teaching times. Yeah. Guys, I ask that you touch the hearts of, of the guys here, Lord. May the guys that come here, that participate, that learn, may they contribute back to the efforts of this. Yeah. It's in your name we pray. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 23, integrity. I want you to reintroduce you uh, to a man of integrity. The more that we spend in this chapter, this is the chapter that details what came out of the cave of Adullam. Cave of Adullam was the place that um, David ran to when Saul was trying to kill him. He's in the cave hiding out and God sends him 400 highly anxious, highly depressed, broke men. That's what the passage says. 400 anxious, depressed debtors. Guys getting ready to file bankruptcy. Guys who are really depressed. Boy, they must, must have been fun to hang out with. And guys who are having panic attacks. And, and David took those 400 and turned them into a mighty army and in that mighty army were 30 special warriors that became 37. And then there was three special warriors that he named. But I want to reintroduce you. We've been looking at Benaiah the last couple of weeks. Look again at Benaiah. Verse 20, 2 Samuel 23. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada from Kabzreel, was a vigorous man who accomplished a great deal. He once killed two lion cubs in Moab. He killed lion kittens. I, th I find that very humorous, two lion cubs. I mean, so, you know, but evidently lion cubs are pretty ferocious. Another time on a snowy day, he climbed down into a pit and killed a lion. What would you do on a snowy day? Make a bowl of tomato soup and do a grilled cheese sandwich and Watch Oprah reruns, you know. Another time he killed a formidable Egyptian. The Egyptian was armed with a spear, and Benaiah went against him with nothing but a walking stick. He seized the spear from his grip and killed him with his own spear. Wow. Benaiah. Now listen to this. This, this, this is what amazes me about Benaiah. This is his integrity. Verse 22. 
These are the things that Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was famous for, but neither did he ever get ranked with the three. Well, that's an odd passage, isn't it? Acknowledgement, he never got to be part of the three. He never made the all-star team. He never got acknowledged as part of the three. Wonder how he felt about that. How would you feel about that? He was held in greatest respect among the 30, but he never got included with the three. But David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Guys, integrity is being who you are. Benaiah understood who he was. It's a badge of honor, gentlemen. The greatest badge of honor for Benaiah isn't the fact that he chased a lion or he killed two mighty Moabites. It's the fact that he stayed loyal to Solomon even when David died. If you know the story of David's death, I mean, it, it was chaos. Again, God is never apologetic for the brokenness of those he gives us in Scripture as models. Men who are models are also very broken characters often in Scripture. And David's family was a mess. I mean, it's a case study for we who are counselors. Dysfunction family. Uh, David and Benaiah made the transition when Solomon became king and was loyal to Solomon. Many men were not. Benaiah was the linchpin between David and Solomon's administration. When others committed treason, Benaiah stayed loyal to the royal. It was his integrity, not his bravery, that landed him his second dream job in being in Solomon's court. Guys, this weekend, I am so excited and so humble that there will be a group of men at Ebenezer Place. They're a part of our leadership team, that are our core group, and they are committed to continue on the ministry that we've been doing for 22 years at Ebenezer Place. There's, there's a bunch of guys uh, that are not the most talented, you know, they're a bunch of misfits. They're, they're, they're broken. I mean, like, I mean, like, look at Jason. I mean, Jason, Mr. Broken, you know? No, I, I love these guys. Love these guys. And, the, and they're men of integrity. Because what a man of integrity is, and this is, this is what I would add here, what we often talk about to be a man of integrity is that you can acknowledge the flowers and the weeds in your life. And these guys can't do it. They're scared to death. They'll be found out. And these guys are in complete denial that the uh, weeds even exist. But what a man of integrity is, is a man who can acknowledge his gifts and acknowledge his brokenness. And guys, the only team to be on is the kingdom team and to be following King Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do. Be on the kingdom team, 
rally others to Jesus. He is the true king. Are men that you hang around on the kingdom team, and are they pointing you and others toward Jesus? If they're not, you're on the wrong team. I want to show you an example of Benaiah out of Braveheart. Everybody's seen Braveheart. Showed you a, a clip about Robert the Bruce um, a couple weeks ago. You probably don't remember Stephen by name, but Stephen was an incredible character. And guys, I want you to watch this clip. This is kind of a montage of Stephen clips in Braveheart. I want to suggest to you that Stephen is like Benaiah. As Benaiah was to David, Stephen was to William Wallace. Watch this. Him, that can't be William Wallace. I'm prettier than this man. All right, Father. I'll ask him. If I risk my neck for you, will I get a chance to kill Englishmen? Is your father a ghost? Or do you converse with the Almighty? In order to find his equal, an Irishman is forced to talk to God. Yes, Father. The Almighty says, don't change the subject, just answer the fucking question. Mind your tongue. I've seen Irish. Smart enough to get a dagger past your guards, old man. That's my friend, Irishman. And the answer to your question is yes. You fight for me, you get to kill the English. Excellent! Stephen is my name. I'm the most wanted man on my island. Except I'm not on my island, of course. More's the pity. Your island? You mean Ireland? Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> You're a madman. <coughs> <laughs> I come to the right place then. <laughs> sure, didn't the Almighty send me to watch your back? I didn't like him anyway. He wasn't right in the head. The Almighty says this must be a fashionable fight. It's drawn the finest people. Fine speech. Now what do we do? The Lord tells me he can get me out of this mess. But he's pretty sure you're fucked. Ah! ships are moving up from the south. I don't know about the Welsh yet, but the Irish have landed. I had to see it with my own eyes before I could believe it. What the hell are the Irish doing fighting with the English? I wouldn't worry about them. Didn't I tell you before? It's my island. Hamish, ride ahead to Edinburgh and assemble the council. Order it. Right. Your island. My island! Oh. 
Jesus. Shall I come with you? No. I'll go alone. I'll see you after. Guys, I, I want to suggest to you that Beniah is a lot like Stephen, I think. That Stephen is a lot like Beniah. Beniah had David's back. He fought with him. He was his bodyguard. He would die for David. Stephen would die for William Wallace. And he's a little bit crazy. Aren't you? I am. You would have to be crazy sometimes to follow Jesus. Crazy like a fox. Crazy like a fox. Innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent, Jesus said. That's who we're, we are to be. Beniah. Know your role on the team. Know your name. Know your dream in such a way that your dream is attractive to others. Know your role on the team. Everybody can't be one of the three. Bloom where you're planted. Know your name. Did you know that Revelation chapter 2 verse 17 says that when you and I die, that God will give us a white stone. And on the white stone is the affectionate name that he has had for you all along. He, he doesn't call me Phil. He has another affectionate name. When my oldest daughter was born, Audrey, she became Snookapooka to me immediately. And I've called her Snooks ever since. Abigail, my uh, youngest daughter that just got married, when she was born, she became Abadabadu, and I've called her Abadaba all of her life. It's an affectionate name. God has that kind of affectionate name for you and me. A dream that attracts others. I want to close this morning with what it means to be a man of integrity according to the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1. Listen to this. This is what he prays that would be the resume, if you will, of the Colossians. This is what I pray for you. I ask you to pray this for me. Verse 9, Colossians 1. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will and so require a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives you. It is a strength that endures the endurable or the unendurable and spills over 
into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything broad and beautiful that he has for us. Fight for integrity. Fight for your personal growth. Fight for your dreams. Fight to be a whole man. Start learning your gifts and using them as Clyde is. And start acknowledging your brokenness in a way that just tells the devil to leave Georgia. You know, Satan has a grip on you when you're afraid somebody's going to find out how broken you are. Freedom is saying, you know, dude, if you realize how broken I am, you only know part of the story. I'm worser. A lot worser. Men of integrity, fight for it. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much, uh, Lord, for these men in this room. Thank you for the glory uh, that you breathe um, in this room. And may you continue to honor your name, King Jesus, and we will fight for you until our last breath. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.